Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. You guys know the drill. Go to the website, download the entire catalog, memorize it, and then head on over to your local dealer and get fitted out and protected by Fox Racing Canada. Also with us on board is WSA. W Wheels makes some of the hardest-hitting wheel sets in America. They are super durable, lightweight, and are built with some of the best components under the sun and maybe you don't know what your bike is going to look like with those brand new set of wheels they have a custom wheel belter builder in the website where you can go whether it's a gas gas kawasaki suzuki honda you can look look at you can play around and literally go on there i'm on there right now and you can check out literally anything you could possibly think of as far as combination of wheels whether it's xl wheels or it's uh the did rims uh you can check out what it would look like with with magnesium hubs black hubs white hubs you name it like the silver hubs uh you can change the nipple color spokes unreal everything under the sun you can check things out and you can you can kind of dial things in really sort of uh play god if you will as far as uh building yourself a set of wheels then you call up my buddies uh, john anderson and Kristen anderson over at w and they build you something special i am your host brad gebhardt with us on the line speaking of john anderson we've got him on the line a guy i love having uh conversations with about moto a guy who knows the sport and is passionate about it john welcome back to the big mx radio podcast well, Brad, thanks for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to talking some some wheels, some racing, dirt bikes, and just uh, shooting the shooting the bull, man. So, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Oh, thanks for making some time for us, man. We are we're two races into the series. We just had round three. We can make some sense out of that at some point. Um, but uh, what I can tell everybody on the line is, for the last damn near ten years. Um, there have been Supercross superstars using W wheels to put themselves in, a, in the best position possible to get great results on weekends, and that's something that's been consistent over time. I love it. Yeah, we've been real, real fortunate to have some great partners uh, in the racing space, if you will. Um, and obviously, it's a, a, a lot of the, um, oh, I would say, what's the word for Brad? Um, credit goes to our partners, right? And that would be the manufacturers of the hubs that uh, that we bring in here, right, in, in North America. So whether it's Kite or Han or, or Talon, um, you know, on the hub front or DID or Excel on the rims, um, there's lots to choose from there with different pluses and uh, benefits to each one. Um, but, yeah, without some great partners, um, yeah, we, we uh, probably wouldn't uh, be in the position we're in to work with these uh, fantastic teams and riders and and uh, yeah we're very fortunate and thankful for that absolutely and, and it, i believe it's since 2014 you guys have been been building custom wheels um i assume this was probably a, like a brainchild of yourself and uh, and your lovely wife for for quite some time before pulling the trigger on it um why don't we spin the clocks back really quickly as to like sort of like how how W wheels came to be, um, like discussing like what type of uh, materials you're going to bring in, what products you guys were going to carry. Um, I assume there was probably a, a long time where you guys sort of like went through the different products and the different sort of elements or the components that you can build uh, wheels out of. Of course, like different manufacturers for spokes, different manufacturers for for hubs, and you do offer a, a couple of different options as well. On top of the fact that. I can take my KTM that I have in my uh, my shop right now uh, and, and break down the wheels to just the hubs. I can box those guys up and send them off to you to be rebuilt from the ground up as well. Yeah, that's right. So to your original question, you know, as far as when W started and, and, and all week, you know, believe it or not, we're actually going on our, our 12th year uh, time okay. flies. So I guess that would mean on the, on the calendar, we started in 2011, but, uh, you know, prior to that, to not to bore all your listeners and whatnot, <laughs> but prior to that, um, my wife and I, and uh, we spent many, many years. Uh, my whole industry career, I would say, was at White Brothers, as was my wife, and a lot of folks know this, or if they don't, her uh, late father was Tom White, who was uh, the owner-founder of White Brothers. And so, you know, she grew up there as a, as a young, young, young girl, uh, working summers and whatnot, and, and, and Tom, uh, I still say it uh, often, but I'm very thankful that he gave me my first industry job, if you will, at 21 years of age, and that's a long time ago. So, um, yeah, so 
we did that, uh, and then obviously, uh, again, the company was sold. Uh, some uh, a new ownership group came in to run it, and you know they ran it a different way. But in the end, um, well, it's harsh, but they ran it out of business. So it sucks just to, to have that happen. Uh, I left uh, prior to that the doors closing. Uh, spent uh, uh, about four years uh, working for Brembo, which you might know on the brake front. Um, of course, high quality brakes made in Italy, and so I did that. Um, but also worked with wheels with uh, uh, kind of a, a company that Brembo owns called Marchesini, and they're a mag style wheel. And that was in the era of when Supermoto was super popular here in the United States when. Troy Lee had a team and Graves and guys like Mickey Diamond, uh, Jeremy McGrath, the late Nicky Hayden, all of them were doing it. Remember when X Games was big and of course, in, or Supermoto, I should say, was big in X Games. So did that for quite a few years, and then uh, um, Talon was looking for a new importer uh, because again, White Brothers had stepped out of that 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 whole arena, if you will, uh, and they were looking for a new importer. Um, and we had a lot of experience with that because of the team that I ran at White Brothers, our four-stroke uh, race team, we ran Talon Hubs uh, back in, the, I would say, 96, 97, all the way up through 2003. Um, and it just was a, a great fit, great opportunity, um, a little scary because we never owned our own business before, but we learned a lot from, from Tom and all the great people that work there that are still in this industry today doing great things. Um, so we learned a lot from that and tried to put it into our own business. And, you know, we started the company in a, during a recession, which isn't the best time to start a business. But uh, we were very fortunate with, with great partners, not just the race side, but media partners, uh, friends, colleagues, um, uh, just, you know, dealers, distributors, and, and it gave us a chance. And, uh and um, here we are, twelve years later. So it's it's been it's been amazing. So, yeah. Absolutely, and, and you guys are uh, were a huge uh, supporter of, of the podcast, even when we very first started. In fact, uh, people don't even know this that WUSA was essentially the first paying sponsor of the Big MX Radio podcast back when I started. Back in 2014, you as well as uh, uh, Rich from uh, X Brand Goggles, and we'll get to we'll get to that in a, a few minutes as well. But yeah, the first two people who actually put some faith in myself and, and gave me the confidence to, that I could be able to do this was uh, was you, your wife, and uh, and Rich Taylor. And um, one of the things that I think is is maybe the like the the strongest. Um, staying power of W and, and the sort of something that will always allow it to continuously be successful is the power of W's spark. And I think that really comes back to the, the naming, obviously, of it is W uh, is for is harkens back to the, the W from from Tom White, his last name, the White Brothers. And um, like a lot of that power comes from from W from Tom. And, and I know this from from experience. um Tom was a really, really special guy. Like, um, there's, there's not a whole lot of reasons why Tom needed to give a guy like myself a lot of time. Um, I remember back to there's one specific day where uh, he was supposed to go out for a mountain bike ride, uh, but I happened to be in the area. I was actually right after seeing you, and I said, "Hey, can I, can I come by and see the the early years of motorcycles, motocross museum?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'd, I'd let you, I'd let you in, and you can poke around a little bit if you'd like. Uh, I have to go on a mountain bike ride though." Like, All right, no problem. Like, I, I, I'm. I appreciate you even allowing me to come up there. And uh, you've heard the story a number of times, but for those who are, are first time listeners or haven't, haven't been listening for very long, um, like he gave me damn near two hours of his time. And we walked through every single motorcycle in that, that shop. And, and uh, John, you know, as well as I do that there's damn near 50 bikes, if not more than that uh, in that shop, whether it's up top or down low and every, that ranges everything from a Jeremy McGrath championship bike to, a, a 63 Greaves that, uh, honestly me standing in front of it probably didn't really understand the, the weight of just being able to stand there and look at that thing standing next to the guy who, who writes about it in, uh, um, motocross action magazine. And I think it's still, it, it to this day, it's still amazing that, that motocross action doesn't let a single, um, 
issue go to print without putting uh, at least a repeat of, uh, of an article that Tom wrote um, in their their magazine. I, I think that's a huge uh, pay of homage to him. And uh, and, and I think, again, like we're getting back to where I started with all this, I, I think that's one of the most powerful things behind the brand and, and why people should uh, should support it all the same. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, man, just hearing you all that, listen to that, it's a bit of a, his, a history lesson there, Brad. And listen, <laughs> first and foremost, you know, we met quite a few years ago. And yes, one thing I've always been uh, quite uh, impressed with you is uh, it's very evident, um, your passion for the sport. And I know you spend a lot of money out of your own pocket to make treks down to the United States to cover Supercross. And, you know, and listen, I've also told you this. I know we're on air right now, but I think that, you know, it, I saw and caught wind of some folks that maybe weren't so welcoming to you. Um, they weren't so pleasant. And I, I really didn't care for that because I just knew that, you know, you were a guy that had a lot of passion and do have a lot of passion for this sport and these athletes. And, and, and you're a fan, just like me, right? We work in the business, but uh, I just like the fact that you've you stuck through it. You didn't, you know, it would have been easy to to say, oh, man, you know, everyone's kind of like giving me a hard time. and They're not, you know, hugs and kisses and all that. And you stuck through it and, and uh, built your brand. And you're doing a good job. So I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Um, not to give you a little dad pep talk here, but I'm <laughs> proud of you for that. And, and then, uh, you know, this year we had a little bit of room in the budget. And uh, we're able to have a bigger presence with uh, with the podcast and, and and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, so I just want to put that in there. Okay. So and, absolutely. And, let, uh, and at least my, my my two cents on that. Hundred percent, man. And I, I do appreciate it. Like I like I said, it's guys like yourself who uh, were an early adopter and uh, and a rec- recognizer of my my talent and my passion and and gave me. Um, the confidence to want to keep working at it, and uh, yeah, like um, I, I don't regret a single minute of it going all, all the way as, as I have, and uh, yeah, like it's uh, I, I have a ton of respect for you, my friend, and and uh, this has been a great journey. Honestly, sometimes I, ha- I have to look back at it and some of the things that I've been able to do, and there's been like some ups, some downs, and everything else in between, and um, and it's 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 a really really cool. Uh, journey that I've been on so far, and uh, yeah, I feel like we're we're every every time that I I kind of feel like I've kind of fallen down a little bit, I also just gain a bunch of uh, momentum coming up the other way, and, and that uh, every time I get a little moment like that, that rekindles the fire, and uh, um, yeah, happy to say that uh, for for 2023, and 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 guaranteed to beyond, uh, those who listen to the Bigger Max Radio podcast, if they if they happen to mention Bigger Max Radio. When they when they call you up for a brand new set of wheels for because John you and I know they need a brand new set of wheels for their bike, um, whether they're they're getting some extra years out of a, a bike that they've been running for quite some time or they're building up a, a bike to to go race the the, the Bet World Championships down in California uh, they want a set of W wheels on their bike and they can save some money when they do so and if they uh, mention Bigger Max Radio so that's pretty cool of you to to extend that to uh, my listeners because in a lot of ways that's essentially like giving them a like it, it could be possibly like a hundred and thirty dollar gift card to, as many times as they would like to go do so. Yeah, for sure, right? And and we're happy to support the podcast in that way and your listeners and, and whatnot. And and listen, and, and we can we can talk racing, but yeah, uh, one more thing I want to I want to mention is that um, you know when I hit I do listen back to some of the press conferences and and I do get a kick out of it. Uh, I like it when I hear you come on and say, you know, Brad, big MX radio podcast. And I just mm-hmm. go, yeah, Brad, do a, do your thing, man. Cause this is, I like it. you know, this is what you're meant to do. So, um, yeah. And, and so anyway, uh, we can, we can move on to, to some racing, whatever, but, but yeah, I, uh, as far as, you know, wheels and do people need them? Uh, well, that's up to that personal individual, right? Or that individual person, um, do they want them? Do they need them? Do they have to have them? I don't know. I think that could be said with anything that we do, right? That we spend our money on, and whether it's motorcycle parts or, or bicycle parts or skiing equipment or whatever, you know, um, we were able to kind of, I don't know if the word is create a segment, you know, with custom wheels or whatever. I mean, it's been told to us um, from some media folks, 
Um, even uh, a good friend of ours, uh, friend of ours, Jody Weisel, kind of mentioned that, you know. And so that's pretty cool. Um, but you know, we're not the only game in town. But I do know one thing that we will do or do offer folks is if they want to uh, uh, invest the money into a, a quality wheel set. Um, I do feel strongly. Again, this goes back to our partnership with race teams from the very, very best in the world. Um, you, you know, whether it be motocross, supercross, or could be enduro cross, could be you know flat track, could be hill climb, uh, whatever. Um, we definitely have something available for them. Or, look, I mean, there's a lot of folks who will never race in their life, right? And that's okay. But they're still big fans, and they still like to go ride their dirt bikes. And I, one thing I think that some people don't really know about us is that. You know, yeah, we do these cool wheel sets and all these crazy color combinations. You mentioned about the um, custom wheel builder, and, and trust me, we do some crazy stuff to where I'll look at it some time and go, whoa, not sure I would do with that or do that look, but you know what? Whatever the customer wants. Um, but one thing that I think some people aren't aware is that, you know, we do other things wheel-related too besides custom wheel sets, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody just wants to buy a spoke kit, we do that. We make our spokes in-house. So, you know, uh, and I think if you price them out, our prices are actually pretty darn good. And they're the same spokes that we use to build all our custom wheel sets, right? So maybe a guy just bent a front rim, you know, maybe he had an issue or he overjumped something, whatever, and, you know, his wheels are square now. We sell just rims, too, and we sell just spoke kits as well. So, something to keep us in mind for you know i know it sounds like a little bit of an infomercial and hopefully it doesn't come out too cheesy uh but yeah i mean we anything to do with the wheel um shoot you know cerakote powder coat chrome polish uh wet blast uh, dry blast um you know you name it and i think we've probably done it brad well, fair enough, man. And yeah, no, I don't. We don't want to turn this into a, a forty-five minute long commercial. But in all, all honesty, exactly. everybody, uh, it's a great company, and they make great stuff. And uh, if I'm gonna say, like last little bit on the on the website is, uh, do you know what my favorite product that I've gotten from WUSA over the years is? Is is um, you know what my favorite product is? Um, I don't. I for some reason I want to say something to do with like different colored rims or something like i, I spoke uh, pork uh, wrench oh yeah <laughs> well it's a game changer that, whether it's ours or somebody else but we wish all our customers had that because it would prevent a lot of uh miss uh yeah a lot of problems were spoke breakage if you got a torque wrench you can only tighten it tighten it so much it definitely prevents over tightening and uh, great call on that brad can't uh and we we carry the fast company i gotta plug those guys because that's all we use in our workshop and the production room um and uh boy it's almost like a once in a lifetime purchase right you buy once kind of like any torque wrench you really you can get it recalibrated but you can't go wrong with it you're going to have it in your toolbox for generations you really can so um yeah good call on that brad yeah, seriously, seriously. I I, uh, I I really really appreciate mine. Uh, it takes a lot of the guesswork out. Uh, it's part of my little ritual prepping the bike on a uh, like the night before a race or a night before a ride is just kind of go through them quickly. To, 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 uh, feel I honestly I feel like uh, the first time I ever saw someone using it was uh, Carlos Rivera on it was actually Dungey's bike back before uh, he worked with Webb or anybody else and I just thought that was like the coolest looking thing and then uh, yeah I, I contacted you about getting one and I absolutely love mine so I would uh, um, yeah definitely uh, for those who are interested or if you if you're if you're that guy who's at the track and everyone's always bugging you about having either missing spokes or uh, your um, your spokes when you hit them with a or you, you take a a wrench along them sounds like every uh, every tone under the sun. Um, you can save yourself some, uh, uh, yeah, some. You can you can f- fix that for you. But um, yeah, let's uh, let, let's talk some racing, man. We're two rounds into this yeah. series. Uh, Jet Lawrence has led every stinking lap of the of the two fifty class. He seems to be in a class of his own, kind of because I think he should be in the four fifty class. Um but uh no one's been able to put any pressure on the kid. What do you see about it all? Well 
I mean, everything you said was spot on. Um, look, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to come out from a, an older perspective, right? Just a guy mm-hmm. that grew up, you know, in the '80s, say, right through the '90s and 2000s, all that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's amazing to watch. Um, I actually, you know, know his manager, Lucas, pretty good, good dude. I think he's got, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I, I know Jet well because I don't. Um, but I think he comes from a, a good family. Um, they, the story's been told how they put everything into this. And so he's in, incredible to watch. It reminds me a lot of Sexton, right? But I think that, look, I'll just say this. Um, you're right. He's led every lap. He hasn't been challenged. Uh, I think the guys were closer this weekend, but you don't really know because you don't know if he was just kind of laying back and just managing the race. And if he had to step it up, he would. Um, but I will say this, for the guys that are looking to knock them off, and there's a couple guys that are capable of doing it, right? RJ, Cameron, right? Um, the difference between them making a lot of money in, for now and the future is him. So with that said, if they can ever get out there, and I think it'll happen, if, you, know, Jeff, you know, he's not going to get a great start probably every time, but if they can get out in front or close to him or kind of sandwich him, I don't think they're going to play not dirty, but they're not going to just let him have it. I think they'll – and if they don't, sorry, but, I again, I'm just going to put my fan hat on here. I think they should because, you know, that's the only way they're going to beat him is to be aggressive, I think. doesn't mean break his leg. doesn't mean send him off into the nets. It doesn't mean any of that, but um, – be aggressive because i think that if we see that um we're all as fans right brad it's just going to make for racing to be that much more enjoyable uh to watch for new fans as well as the old fans right so um if those guys again i think there's a handful of guys um that are capable of doing it um really stoked on how rj's been riding uh he may be biased because he uses our wheels on the Rockstar <laughs> Energy's uh, Husqvarna team. Um, and, you know, we're always, hey, man, anytime one of our athletes can win, and, you know, it's fun on Monday because then we can run a win ad and all that stuff, right? And everybody comes in all happy and Monday, and we got lots to talk about. But, yeah, that's my take on the, the whole thing. I, I don't think he'll – a lot has to go right for him to win all of them, especially if you throw in some triple crowns. I know there's one coming this weekend, shorter race guys that maybe don't have the fitness that the top guys that I mentioned, the McAdoo's and RJ's and the Jets have, but they only have to go 10 or 12 laps. Uh, I think that opens it up for a lot of guys that are going really good. Um, like Enzo Lopes. I mean, um, he's riding amazing right now. You know, I think he, well, he's shown he was fastest qualifier at the first round. Um, he ran great Saturday night. Uh, some of the guys that are, we're still all waiting for Brad to kind of go, man, you know there's got to be more there, right? Like uh, Styles Robertson, uh, Levi Kitchen. Obviously, Levi was riding amazing and then had that nasty get-off at the start. Right. Um, there's some good guys on the West Coast. There are. It's just um, it starts in the beginning um, of the main event, and, and they've got to get us started. Almost like one of the biggest challenges is just getting through the first turn. Then you can go from there, right? Then you can see how the race is going to play out. But for a guy like Levi Kitchen, who was actually in a tangle with Styles, if I remember right, right, seeing the broadcast back. Um, oh, yeah. That could have been really ugly for both of them. In, in this case, it was very ugly, but for Kitchen, because Styles got through it, but albeit he had to come from behind, right? So, um, yeah, I think there's lots more racing. Obviously, we know that. Uh, starts this weekend in Anaheim. You know, I'm excited. Um, Triple Crown is going to make, I think, a whole nother, um storyline to be tell to tell on the series on the west coast and and the 450s as well right so we'll see absolutely we are going to see this thing all unfold and yeah jet's been sort of um fortunate that his closest competition hasn't been able to start with him i think if those guys can start in front of him uh maybe they get a little bit of rough and tumble with him i think you're totally right i think they're gonna have to take it away from him he's not going to give it to you in any type of way um I honestly think Jet's best competition in the whole series is himself. If he have like he's gonna, if he possibly could just throw this thing away, um, 
because just on, on skill level alone, I think he's a tick faster than those other guys. Um, and, and just very, very confident in his own own abilities. Um, I'm looking for RJ Hampshire, especially at this... The, the, he has his one and only win from a Triple Crown rolling into this weekend. Last time he did a Triple Crown, he was at the front of the pack. Um, you know he's good on starts. And uh, yeah, he's shown it in the past. So uh, if there's anyone who can sort of upset the apple cart right off the hop... Uh, get some good starts and stick it in there on Jet. It's this weekend with, with RJ, and uh, yeah, he's been looking good. Like honestly, like a uh, un- almost a uncharacteristically smooth RJ Hampshire. He's not kind of all over the place and and really aggressive like we've seen in the past, uh, which may be some maturity that we're seeing sort of injected into his riding style. Um, he's a dad now. He's I think this is his seventh or eighth year, if not more, uh, as a pro. Um, so yeah, I think he's he's doing really really well with that, and uh, yeah, like you you guys have been on the the Rockstar team. I don't think they've ever not run uh, W wheels, uh, or at least they have since you guys uh, started supporting teams in general. Yeah, that's right. We we've, we've actually been with them before they were Rockstar, right? People might remember a lot of historians that follow your podcast. Um, Bobby Hewitt, when he started the team, uh, one of their first professional sponsors was. Canada Pet Food, right? Many, many years ago, um, Bill Keith, Tyler Keith's father, and Dave Gallon, who's a big executive with Monster, they ran the program, and we've been with them since. So we've seen it go through Cowie, Suzuki, KTM, and then now at Husqvarna, right? So, um, But, yeah, man, I think you're spot on with that with RJ. And one thing I do take away from watching and, and listening to the interviews and you know, again, as fans, we all watch it and try and see their their mood, their demeanor, their body English, whatever it may be. And and Jet's just Jet. You know, he's a funny guy. I think he's again with Lucas. He's got good representation. Uh, sometimes I feel like he he knows how to really speak to the fans, right, and kind of tell them what they want to hear, which is cool. Um, but one thing I did notice with RJ is is uh, um, he just seems like in a good place, right? He seems to be happy with his bike. He's clearly fit. Um, he's motivated. Again, this goes back to what we said early on, you know. There's so much money to be made between, the, you know, and the, the answer to that or how do you get that, that pot of gold? Well, you got to beat the guy at the top, right? And not only for this year, but also for their future. And the one thing that um, – I have kind of noticed a little bit with Cameron. Um, super fast. I think he's super fit. Obviously, he works with Nick Way on the training. Uh, amazing motorcycle. What Pro Circuit builds for them. Uh, I don't know how to if it's like he's just bummed or he's frustrated or flustered or just like um, you know impatient if that's the right word for it because he I think he wants to win so bad. Um, and clearly I don't think he's failing because of lack of preparation or fitness or anything. Um, but he just doesn't seem all that, what, I'm not saying he should do cartwheels on the podium, right, Brad? Right. He just seems pretty monotone and, uh, not real stoked. And, 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 you know, that might start to wear on these guys after a while. Even though a third, look, there's, there's what, uh, 19 other guys that would love to be. Uh, you know, finishing third or, or whatever, but you know, again, they're paid to win. They're they're paid to be up there for sure. And and you know, that's the thing about these guys is it's like anymore in this sport. You know, if you get a two year, a three year deal, and you almost have a lifetime contract, right, Brad? Right. Both yeah. Oh, for guys, sure. A lot of times they're year to year, and man, I can only imagine the pressure. Can you imagine your job every year. You don't know if you're going to be able to come back next year. It just depends on your performance. Some might be motivated by that, but some people might take it as, you know, it, it kind of would wear on you too, right? The stress of it all. So I don't know. I think we have, there's so much more to see. And, and again, with some of the other guys, like I mentioned Enzo Lopes and even Pierce Brown, right? He's super fast, good motorcycle. Had that big get off at round one, came back to finish fifth this last weekend, a quiet fifth, I would say. Styles Robertson, you know that guy and Levi, they're not, they're probably not getting a lot of hugs and kisses over at their hauler because they're they're paying those guys again um, arguably the best motorcycle to be out there 
right. paying them to win, right, or to be on the podium, and they haven't really been anywhere near that, right? Um, I don't want you to come across like I'm being a, like a jerk to, to them, but <laughs> I think it's pretty well known. And Oh, uh, they're expected to win, yeah, absolutely. They're expected to win, and they're um, they're just having some early struggles right now, so... Um, I'm sure it'll get better, but we'll 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 see. And that's why we'll all tune in, or uh, we'll be there to watch. Hey, man, that's why we flip our televisions on every Saturday night to watch these guys do battle. And I think you're totally right when it comes to um, Cameron McAdoo, who does seem to be down on himself. And I, I think with like the common theme that I've noticed w- within him. Um, is, is that he does put a lot of pressure on himself, and rightfully so, because he, he has the potential to to win races. Um, but even more so at the beginning of series, is, and this happens with a lot of these guys, is you as well as I know, they end up in sort of like this sort of like boot camp, everything's on me, like all the, every, they're on like kind of a, under the microscope of like, they're the only person that really exists within the competition, and as long as I do what I'm like, I'm capable of, I'll win races. And then when it comes to race day, like all these other guys show up and they bring their A game. And when you're not expecting a guy like uh, Enzo Lopes to take a big step forward, he does. And that sort of upsets the apple cart a little bit. Like Whereas a guy like Cameron, you're like, all right, I'm going to have to deal with the star guys and I'm going to have to deal with Jet. Uh, but as long as I'm like, I, I do my own thing, I'll be able to, to sort of be ahead of those guys. And all of a sudden on race day, He's looking at the board and he's like, "Who's who's like not who's this Enzo Lopes guy?" Because he knows damn well who who Enzo is, but he wasn't probably considering uh, Enzo as somebody he was going to have to worry about, and and that's that can be enough to sort of uh, kind of like stress you out a little bit, as as well as you mentioned, like uh, yeah, he like he's looking he's looking over his shoulder, and uh, Mitch Payton, who might be the most uh, like maybe most imposing, if not the second most imposing like team manager in the pits of between himself, uh, Bobby Regan and, um, and Roger DeCoster, like those three guys are basically like they, they rule with an iron fist and they expect results and, and rightfully so. Cause they pay out some big cash. But, um, I think that's what you're seeing from, from, uh, Cameron right now. It's just the, his inability to sort of like stomach these results and let the races come to him a little bit. Um, obviously we always want to win. We always want to move forward and, and, uh, and be at the top step of the podium. It's he's he's just about there. I think he just needs a, a little bit more, uh, some better starts, and uh, he'll be able to uh, mix it up there with Jet because uh, yeah, the 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 wins are coming. Uh, I agree, hundred percent, and 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 that's the thing, right? If we leave Jet out of the equation here, you've you've got all of a sudden uh, now you're at the head of that class, right? And then that just sets you up for the future, whether it be potential rides, job opportunities. Uh, or just your confidence, whether you stay in the 250 class or you move up, because obviously we've seen what Jack can do on a 450, and we saw that at uh, Motocross Donations, right, where he can sure ride that thing good. So now you're here, you're riding a lights class, and you're still right there with them, but you're riding against a guy that has shown he can win 450 motos, right? So, man, uh, that's what I was saying a minute ago or back a bit ago. If these guys can figure out a way to get up there in the mix, you know, be aggressive, maybe get a win. I mean, they're going to be the big talking point. Is oh, you're the man that you know, McAdoo, RJ. Those are the guys that beat Jet. Now all of a sudden, you've elevated your own stock um, in this sport, right? So because he is kind of a, uh, uh, I won't say a freak, right? But he's pretty incredible for a guy that's only been around, at least on the U.S. side of things, for us to see him. Uh, this it wasn't that long ago he was battling Dylan. Remember that on the last lap, yeah. and he went over the bars and kind of rung his bell and hurt himself. But and I was there that night, and that was—I mean, I even text—I mean, I, I even was like a little bit of a fan guy. Uh, the next day, I even texted Lucas and said, "Man, your guy is incredible, dude. That's that's and and and, and, and he is, and he was, and he will be. So, um, yeah. So we'll see." Lots of racing to watch, and 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 uh, we get to watch it again here in just a couple of days. You know, I mean, I got to be honest with you. Remember when we had those races where we had two or three a week? That yeah, was awesome, man. Yeah, oh, I mean, for sure. That was that'd be like watching your favorite football, you know, game every other day. I mean, instead of waiting a week or whatever, right? So uh, it's going to be good stuff. And, and and the cool thing is, we've only done two, right? Two rounds, so we got a lot of racing to go. So it's going to be a pretty cool year. 
Oh, we've barely scratched the surface so far. And yeah, you're you're, you're talking about a 2020 Anaheim 2. And uh, in only a few days' time, we're going to have Anaheim 2 2023 on the docket. And uh, yeah, you're going to be in attendance for that, I'd imagine. Uh, it's, it's a great yep. uh, time to go to California and, and go to the... One of the Anaheim rounds uh, over and over again. Like, obviously, like, for how many you've been to over the years, I'm sure the, uh, it becomes a little bit old hat. But at the same time, like, the vibe in the stadium, you see people at the pit party and just sort of the energy in the room uh, when the lights go down and, uh, and opening ceremonies and all that. I'm, I'm excited to hear that you're, uh, you're, you're heading back there. For uh, what what can only be probably be like I, I can't even imagine how many events you've seen at that stadium. Quite a few, for sure. And and the cool thing about Anaheim, Brad, is from where I'm sitting right now at W, it's about two and a half miles from from here. Uh, it's literally like on Thursday and Friday. I swear to you, at least prior to A1, I usually am in the Sprinter van, dropping stuff off three to four times a day on Thursday and Friday, and it's. You know, it's pretty handy when it's so close, right? Um, so that's always a plus. But, yeah, we'll definitely – we've got a big group um, uh, from W that are going. I'll be there all day on Saturday, obviously. Actually, I'll be there Friday too. And then a big group, uh, which is cool that all of our, our staff are into it. So we're all we're all going, going to hang out and um, watch some racing, man. And uh, it just makes for a fun working atmosphere the next week. And, and even in our – our business, right? To have people that really enjoy the sport, whether they ride or not. Most of our, our, our staff do some don't, um, but doesn't mean they don't love, you know, and really enjoy the sport, uh, as it is to watch it as a spectator sport and to cheer the guys on because it's pretty incredible. The athletes that they are. So hundred percent, whether you're, you're watching a, a WUSA athlete and, uh, Axel Hodges in the, uh, the pit party going upside down, sideways and backwards, sometimes all in the same jump, um, or watching Eli Tomac take home possibly, uh, his, his, his third in a row, uh, win on the season. The guy, as you know, is like, he is damn well good at, uh, at the triple crowns. In fact, I, I think he's won more, a lot more than he's, uh, he's lost over the years. Uh, I think people are going to be, and I think he also won the first ever uh, back when he was on a Kawasaki. Um, do you like the Triple Crowns? What do you like about the Triple Crowns? And uh, also uh, talk about working with uh, with Eli a little bit. Obviously, you supply Star with the wheels, um, and, and he's been uh, helping you with some win ads so far. Yeah, so um, what I like about the Triple Crowns, I, what, which is what I think most people like, um, you get to see the riders out there more. Now you get three gate drops per class, right? So, you know, and as much as we said earlier, to get through the first turn unscathed, if you will, at the end of the day when they drop the gate, right, and they go in the first turn, that's one of the most exciting parts of the race, right? Uh, whether you have a little bet with a friend or whoever your favorite rider is and you're trying to find out where's he at, where's he at. And unfortunately, the sucky part about, you know, racing is it's crashes, right? And some of the most horrific ones or horrendous ones, I should say, are in the first turn. So there's a bit of hold-your-breath moment um, at the at gate drops like that. But at the end of the day, um, as a spectator, as an audience, as fans, we want to watch the guys out there on the track more. And three gate drops per, per class uh, are awesome. And I think the second thing is it really does open up. Uh, the potential for a lot more guys to get in the mix to either get a win for the first time or to be on the podium, right? Because now they, they don't have to go um, the long distance, if you will. So maybe their fitness isn't what some of the other elite guys are, like the camera, you know, the McAdoo's or Hampshire's or whatever. So maybe this opens up an opportunity for a guy like Enzo Lopes, right, um, to go to get a, to get a win, Um Look, even Nicoletti, he's been riding amazing. you got guys like that. I'm um, trying to think down the line. Obviously, you've got the star guys, right, um, as well. Mitchell Oldenburg's another one. He's on a great motorcycle with the smart top guys. Um, we've seen what he can do. Um, you know, he, he's, I won't say struggle, but what he finished seventh last week, and I think the week before he got like fourth or fifth. So he's riding super good. Um yeah, so I, I, I just think it, it opens it up a lot more for uh, potential for guys to finish better. Um, and that's, to me, one of the coolest things. 
I don't think the riders particularly care about it so much because, again, they have to go through the first turn three times a night as opposed to, say, one or two, right, from their from their heat to the main. Um, but I've never met a fan that didn't like it, but I'm sure there are some out there. But me personally, I really like it. And and, and the second part of your question, yeah, so, we you know, we t- touched on that a little bit in the beginning. Um, you know, my, my, my little bit of background working with them was way back when I was doing the Brembo thing. I'm talking about the Tomac family. Uh, right. When Eli was on Factory Connection, uh, AMSOIL uh, amateur program, <clears throat> we actually did the brakes. We did some oversized brake kits for him. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm, I'm super close to him because I'm not. Uh, I know Tom was pretty friendly with, with John. Uh, I think there was this, you know, a mutual respect and looked by the new Tom. He liked everybody, right? I think it's hard. It, you'd be pressed to find somebody that, that didn't like him. Um, but one thing I've seen out of that side of it, um, you know, uh, on that team, he seems to be having a, a, a just a, a really good time. Seems to be very happy. I don't know. It's weird, right? We talked about that with McAdoo, where he just seems he's bummed and. Yeah, it's easy to say, well, Eli should be happy. He's won the first two, but he genuinely seems pretty stoked, right? Like um, any interviews I've seen or shows him in the pits, pit party, uh, meeting uh, with or, or, you know, uh, addressing the fans, autograph signings, all that. Um, And it helps that he's on a great motorcycle, Uh, arguably one of the best. And it sure looks good underneath him. And and, uh, Ferrandis is another one that uh, I think that, that he just needs to get a start and you'll see more out of him um but that whole team over there with the star guys i uh, worked with jeremy coker who's the manager of the 450 team believe it or not way back when he was wrenching for tara um uh, tara geiger at the tld honda days because i did the wheels for them we did talon carbon hubs back then so oh wow a long time that's yeah, a that's a blast from the past uh, yeah right and and so that goes way back and um it's really cool to see the success and how he's come along in his career and doing an amazing job with those guys. And, and Jensen, the 250 manager, uh, we worked with him uh, for years when he was with the GMC uh, effort. Um, and so, you know, at the end, um, there's a lot of folks that maybe don't want to put themselves in the spotlight on that team. But, um, but you know they have a great group of people over there and they're doing a great job and it seems like the yamaha who would have thought brad but you know a handful of years ago a lot of folks might have thought oh man who wants to ride a 450 i think guys 450 yamaha i should say and now arguably it's the bike that you want to be on pretty cool so you got to be stoked for not only star but even yamaha right as a company um we have a lot of history with yamaha myself personally uh, back to White Brother days, they supported our four-stroke effort back in 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Um, and great, great bunch of people. Still have a lot of friends over there. Um, and know quite a few of the guys in the testing and R&D department. And um, they've done a hell of a job, man. So that they have. cool to watch. Honestly, every time I see a Yamaha up front, I immediately just think of... Mike Ulrich, he's a listener of the podcast. Mike, if you're listening, I, I'm honestly so happy to see um, Yamaha kind of like change its stripes a little bit as far as its its perception within the media and in the buying public. Um, because when that first that Yamaha first came out, the 2010 and the sort of the, the iterations after it that came until about 2014, 15, it was like just sort of mired as as like uh, you needed to be a big guy to make it go well. You needed to like uh, it, it just that that the backwards engine thing wasn't going to work out, and, and that couldn't have been further from the truth. Now we see Star Racing Yamaha basically being perennial favorites for championships and on the 250 side, and then now um, obviously hiring a guy like Eli Tomac and, and just them themselves having a lot more experience and bringing in guys like Jensen, uh, who have just like sort of like. They've like slowly, slowly amassed all these little just like adding pieces to the puzzle, and uh, it's it's added up to a pretty unbeatable uh, combination so far, uh, unless your name happens to be Jet Lawrence. But uh, yeah, happy for everybody involved over there, especially a guy like Mike Ulrich who has been uh, with the company for uh, well, he's been in there since two stroke days. Well, you want to hear something even funnier than that when it comes Go for to it. Mike? Uh, Mike used to work at White Brothers. 
I don't oh, know a lot of people knew that. Uh, uh, and I worked with him, and, and it was one of his first industry jobs, if not the first industry job. And this was back when Mike, he was a good local local writer, and um, actually we're friends to this day. Um, I actually just partnered up with, with the folks over there with, at Mike's uh, uh, direction, if you will, because uh, we're, you know, we're involved in the adventure market too, right? So uh, the Thursday before A1, I went over to Yamaha and we picked up a uh, Yamaha Tenere T7, um, their adventure bike. And uh, so that's down here at the shop. We're building a W adventure bike. We've already got a KTM 1190. Anyway, all that came through Mike Ulrich. So you mentioned Mike, and it's pretty cool to hear that he listened to your show. And um, yeah, I've known him a long time. His father, uh, he's still kicking, doing good. And Mike's family man now. And I do get a kick out of it, man. Uh, again, we're all getting older, but when I, I see those guys on the TV, if I'm watching, and I go, oh, there's Mike. You know, that's pretty cool. And uh, I think he really enjoys, and he's good at what he does. You know, over at Yamaha, so I'm, I'm sure they should be thankful to have him. But I know he definitely cares about the brand. Uh, as does another friend of mine, Donnie Luce, who runs their amateur program. Right. Um, and we started together at White Brothers. A lot of people don't know that, but he... He started within six months of me starting at the company, and that was a long, long time ago. No uh, kidding. Donnie many there at Yamaha yeah. many, many moons ago. And uh, so, yeah, there's some great people. Again, this goes back to our early conversation about White Brothers and, 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 and Tom and the people that came out of that building. Bob Weber, he owns 60 Helmets. Um, there's a lot of uh, sales reps to this day that are still pushing parts for for Parts Unlimited and Fly and, and uh, WPS and all that, that they came out of that that uh, uh, that building. So um, if, if anything, as Donnie likes to say, uh, he made some shirts years ago. We call it the White Brothers University because that's where we learned our our knowledge, our, 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 our just, I don't know what you call that, just our degree in, in the industry didn't come from college. Um, but it came from working at White Brothers, so uh, a lot of great people came out of there. It's so it's like its own little motocross industry, Ellis Island, where everyone can trace their lineage back to one particular spot, and and that sort of uh, again just sort of like doubles down on sort of like the heartbeat that exists within W is is, is that uh, yeah White Brothers and, and Tom and just uh, galvanizing that community within it. It's pretty cool, um, like like. Tom was a huge vintage motocross guy. Obviously, the early years of motocross museum, I talked about that. It, it was absolutely immaculate when I went through there, and I cherish uh, that experience. Um, but if, like, on top of that, um, if I have a vintage bike, and I do actually, and my dad regard, like refuses to put any amount of time on it because his his view is that the the bike will get ruined or too much wear and tear on it, this that and everything, which I respect his opinion. But uh, there's a lot of people out there who their their vintage bikes become uh, a bit of a like a, a garage tr- queen or maybe a, even a, a living room queen uh, because they don't feel like the, the the wheels that are on there right now would live up to the expectations or the demands of a current motocross track. Um, like, but but you 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 guys over at W have some answers for that because I've seen some uh, some vintage projects that have rolled through the uh, through the shop over the years. That's pretty cool as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, you know, quite honestly, our involvement in the vintage market came from Tom, right? Because he always told us, you know, look, here's a here's a, a, a man that, you know, you mentioned about Tom's Museum. And I thought, I think I thought you said something like 40, 50. Actually, the number, if you go all in, including, um, you know, bikes that are in the house, uh, which are separate from the museum, he's got over 170 uh, in the collection, right? And so... That was always something that that Tom said. Hey, you guys really should look into this. This is a viable market. You know, there 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 are people out there that restore this these bikes to ride them. They might be collectors. They might just see it as a sentimental thing. Where, um, you know, they might have. You know, maybe they're not. They they can't ride anymore for whatever reason. It could just be, you know, they they just can't right health or restrictions whatever. But they grew up on a particular motorcycle, and, and, and they've always thought, you know what, that'd be really cool if I could get my hands on one of those and restore it. Maybe I never start it, and maybe I it, 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 it's never going to see dirt, but if it can be in my house 
It can be in my, my man cave, my garage, my office, whatever. You'd be surprised how many people do that. And, and so we've been doing the, the vintage thing for quite some time now. And, man, i got to tell you, Brad, there's probably not a bike. I mean, look, there's probably some, right? But we've done some pretty crazy stuff. Um, you know, you, you one thing, you know, if, if, if we had to talk about a uh, something that really would come to mind, this was years ago, but we did a, a wheel set for a gentleman that sent it in, and it was the bike was a hundred years old. I just remember that it was the most unique thing. It's the only time we've ever had to do this, but we did it, and it was like first off an honor to do it for the gentleman. But we had to send the hubs out to actually get painted, not powder coated, not ceracoated, but painted because it was a particular finish and color that that we couldn't get. So I worked with a, a friend of mine um, that owns a body shop, and they painted the hubs, and then the spokes were actually copper-plated, and and that's what this restoration was to be authentic, and we did it. And man, that is a cool. I don't know what it is, but you know, to say that somebody trusted us with their wheels, a hundred-year-old motorcycle, talk about some sentimental value to that, right? And he was a collector. He wasn't going to ride the bike. It's probably in his office. Could be. It could be in a glass case. Who knows? Um, but we were, you know, we were fortunate enough to get that call and that opportunity to do it. And so, whether it be that or, I mean, any more, Brad. When people talk vintage, it's crazy to think, right? But some people talk about the '90s era, the 2000 era as being vintage. And you look back on it, you're like, well, that's not that long ago. But we are in 2023, right? So it's starting to get older. Um, but you'd be surprised and. and um, if you go and you ever came into W and you look, um, yeah, you see a lot of the modern and custom wheel sets, but you'd be surprised and people that do come through it, oh, man, what is that? And they see these hubs and, and go, oh, that's off an old CZ or a Bull Taco or a Husky or a Greaves or, 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 or whatever it may be. Uh, we do a lot of stuff on Ducati Scramblers as well, right? Um, so if it's got a wheel, a spoke, we've done it. Or, or, or I can't say we've done them all, but we've done quite a bit of it. And, uh, yeah, we, we always welcome the challenge and, and, uh, because we do make our spokes in house. We, we bend them, uh, cut them, uh, re-thread them, uh, and all that stuff. So we, we can do it. Our guys love the challenge. So, uh, we're here for it. I hear that guys challenge W. See if you can uh, can make uh, John's hair any more gray than it already is. Uh, they'll be up to the task. Um, and actually, I have a, a friend of mine locally who uh, recently it was wasn't. Uh, it's actually since, it's longer ago since we last talked in uh, in I believe it was, it was September October. Uh, but Anthony Heckel, he got himself a set. I believe it was uh, white nipples with uh, silver spokes, but purple hubs pur- and uh, and black wheels. And yeah. uh, that, it's a little a little bit out out there for me. You know me. I, I'm uh, like I basically just want the bikes to look factory, and that's it. Uh, black or silver rims, and uh, either magnesium or, or uh, silver hubs. But he went all out, and you guys absolutely crushed it for him. Beautiful looking stuff, and uh, yeah, you swapped the wheels over, matched it with a set of graphics to uh, to look good with that purple. And uh, I'm not, I'll admit it looks pretty good. Maybe not for me, but uh, for for him that that was perfectly his style, and he loves it. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, the per- the whole question or, or um, uh, discussion of purple, right? Uh, when Renthal did that limited release of the purple bars, right? And they did some sprockets, I believe, as well. Um, uh, I'm sure you're aware of that or heard that, the yep. story about that, but they sold out of them. And, and the times that we have done purple, it is a special order uh, to do it, but we, we did, and I got to say, of all the colors, the blues, the golds, the reds, um, uh, green's a little bit tough to do on a rim. I don't think we've ever done that color. It's just hard to do green. But green fades purple, like crazy when it comes to rims. I don't know why. Yeah, and, it, and it's hard because, you know, when it comes to anodizing, look, I'm no chemist or anything, but <laughs> I, I have learned over the years that depending on the aluminum that the, 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 of the, uh, the material is, is made of, um, it when they do anodize it, it can't come out different. Han hubs and kite hubs, if they're green, is really really good. Um, the Talon, it's a little, it, 
it's it's different, right? It's more of a forest green, right? Um, so yeah, so rims, um, yeah, that's one we probably haven't done. I can't recall green rims, but I don't know, man. That might be a little bit of a stretch. I I don't know, but purple, um, we've actually done a fair amount of that. And uh, when 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 they're done and all cleaned up and get ready to go out, we always try and photograph them and and uh, put them up on our Instagram. And so for any of the listeners out there that don't follow us, uh, shameless plug here. I don't know if it's a plug, but check out our Instagram uh, because there's some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I know we just did a set of green hubs with yellow rims, and we we, we labeled it the John Deere edition. It I saw that. cool. Yeah, that's up on our Instagram. And so, um, yeah, sometimes uh, – it's funny. I'll I'll be looking for a picture of something, and I'll just go to our Instagram and scroll back, and then you look at it, and you're like, "Man, we've done some pretty crazy stuff, right?" And then, uh, but whatever somebody can imagine, um, if there's colors involved, um, we're, we're we can do it. So, and we're we're here for that. So, yeah. Absolutely, you guys do amazing work. That that is uh, first and foremost. Um, who who you got for the for these championships down the road, man? Like obviously, uh, I, I knew you guys build wheels for for Tomac, but you're a, you're a fan before basically anything else when it comes to the sport. That's what has drawn you to it. That's what kept you in the sport for as long as you have. Um, if if Tomac's your 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 uh, title favorite, who's challenging this guy? And uh, and and what do these these other guys who just seem to be making mistakes left, right, and center do? to uh to upset the apple cart and at least make this a series well i think when it comes to the 450 class right now right because two rounds in two wins um never really been challenged if you will i would i'd say you can make the argument that cooper webb challenged him last weekend he didn't let him get away and just cruise that's for sure right i think it's hard to bet against uh an eli but the chances are he's probably not going to hole shot every main event this year right so now let's see what happens um with him coming through the pack if he gets a bad start or you know heaven forbid that he maybe goes down in the first turn and has to pick up the motorcycle in his 19th place right and do a little damage control so i mean right now he's looking pretty good won two races but he's only six points up mm-hmm. right and then you, you've got a guy like sexton who is again like jet he's amazing to watch um, it's pretty evident he he not only tries hard, prepares well, got good good motorcycles, good people behind him, um, super fit. Um, he's just not going to be a guy I think that will fade. I think we learned that in the outdoors last year. Look, they're not all at the top of their game at the very first round, right? Because it is it's two rounds into what we got ten more months of racing left, right, Brad? Yeah. So there's a long way to go when you think about it, but. Uh, what's Chase? I think he's 13 points back at this point. That's really not that much. And then you got Roxon, who's only two points, you know, um, behind Sexton. And Ferrandis is one point behind Roxon. So, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I, I would still stick with Eli, but I think that there's so much more to go that, you know, we could be having a different conversation, maybe not completely different, but uh, after this Saturday. So, uh, I think Sexton will still be in there. I'm pretty, you know, look, Web runs, you know, the the, the, the kite hubs also that we, we distribute, right? So, um, obviously, we're always going to pull for those guys that do have the product that we that we carry. Um, but, man, sure like what I saw out of him. He definitely didn't make it easy for Eli. And um, I remember towards the end of the race, like, at one point, I think he was up three and a half seconds. And then next thing you know, it's down to a second and a half with a couple laps to go, and you know they're giving in the lappers. So um, I think he's got, you know, is he 100% got his confidence back? I don't know, about 100%, but I'd say it's safe to say with Cooper, 90 95%. And for him, that 100% mark is going to come with finishes like this, right? Where if he can just keep on, keep on, look, you know, he held off Sexton. Roxon faded back a little bit. Uh, at this point, he's been the biggest challenge to Eli, right? So uh, I'm sure Eli's watching those guys. Um, you know, when you start to go down the list, I really thought, and Anderson's another one where you're like, you know, I don't think anybody saw this coming. What's he, 
seventh in points right now, so he's a ways back. But, you know, if you look back to a year ago, he was pretty far back, right? He had some unfortunate situations where he got into, I think, with Barsha, and I remember the one where this, I think his radiator cap popped off or something like that at San Diego, I believe, last year. Yep. Um, and now the only thing I – a little bit of a bummer where is that whole incident with him and Barsha and – I watched a little bit of the press conference on that, and Barsha was like, yeah, man, it's all good. And yeah, I'm not going to take him out. Like, if there's a ch- when, when you get taken out like that, I, I do believe this as a fan, when you get taken out in front of, you know, maybe not the biggest stadium last week, 30, 35,000 people put down on the ground, you're going to retaliate. I just, even though he's being watched, right, by the AMA and, 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 and the sanctioning body and all that, but it's kind of almost like a disrespect thing in a way, right? So I think that – I do think Anderson will come back. I I mean, look, he was amazing in practice at NIM until he smashed his face. And could you imagine that? And I guess I, the word was that he broke his nose before the race even started that night. A broken nose? I can't, imagine breaking, I can't imagine no, break, right? uh, racing with a broken nose. Like, that's so yeah, sensitive. Yeah, not only that, but, you know, for a sport that is so aerobic, right, you got to breathe through your mouth and your nose, and now all of a sudden your nose is broken and you're probably not getting the same amount of airflow. I I don't know, man. He's a he's a bad dude for sure, but, but at the same time, he's seventh in points. He's 20 out. I wouldn't rule him out. It wouldn't shock anybody, I think anybody, for him to come out and win the Triple Crown this weekend. And, and look, I even said it going in with our own staff down here at the shop, right? We all talk about who's going to win, who's going to win. And, and I will say, I mean, we don't do rocks and stuff. They, they've chosen at this time because it was so late in the day, uh, game to run OE stuff. They have a lot of product. They can rotate them, um, you know, so that they don't have to worry about uh, fatigue, if you will, right? Um, I mean, he's, what, 37 points. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, Brad, he was my pick to win a one. I just thought he would do it. Uh, he rode right. good. Um, doesn't look hundred percent comfortable still, but you know, Larry Brooks is a friend of mine and, and I'm a big fan of his. Um, he's worked with some incredible people. Uh, if there's a guy that can motivate someone, not to say that, uh, Roxon doesn't need motivation, but I know one thing with Larry also is that he's a super technical guy and they will just work and work and work. Um, to get him comfortable and to where he can, he can do his thing. Cause when he, when he's comfortable, he's one of the fastest in the world. I think, I think you'd be a foolish not to, to say that. Right. So, um, we'll see, man. Again, Brett, we're only two races in. We got a long way to go. We can talk in six weeks and this <laughs> thing can be completely flipped upside down. So time will tell Christian Craig's another one. I, I really thought he would do a lot better. I, I saw a little interview with him after a one and with Nathan, um, it's kind of like they're behind the scenes and right. That was a little bit of a bummer because he just didn't, he just was so deflated, man. And I know the guy's incredible on a motorcycle and, and all, um, he just hasn't shown it in the first two rounds. Right. I know he had a big crash too, but, um, we'll see, but that's what just makes it so cool. Why we all get butterflies on Saturday morning when, get to watch them do it again yeah they're going to re-rack them this saturday night for a triple crown last thing that i'm going to lay on you before i let you get back to work over at wsa is uh the one guy you don't want to give any momentum and confidence to in this championship is cooper webb because we've seen this episode before these are reruns at this point of him coming in as an underdog coming in seemingly out of shape couple of good rounds and if, if you if you remember correctly backward the first time he won the supercross championship his first win of that year was a triple crown and from then on it was just this rolling wave of of, of cooper webb and uh i would be on high alert if 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 i'm eli tomac i'm making sure that i beat cooper webb every race out for for the at least the next couple of weeks but especially this weekend at uh at anaheim too that's what really kicked it off for him back when he won his first title i believe that was 2019 and uh yeah i i would be uh, i'd be a very um 
motivated man if I'm Eli Tomac, making sure to sort of e- extinguish any of those flames uh, before anyone puts some uh, put some air on it because uh, a, a motivated and fast Cooper Webb can give all those guys a lot of problems. Well, and it goes back to what we said in the 250s, right, where um, they just got to, you know, for, for guys to get aggressive with Jet. I think that one thing about Cooper Webb, he's shown this over the years with all those epic battles he had with Roxon. Um, he's not afraid to, I won't say be dirty, but to be physical. And, you know, I think people have to remember, too, with him, right, I mean, people all but wrote him off, and I, I know there were jokes made about that where he was washed up, and I think he even said it himself. Um, but he is in a contract year, right? He, he's still a relatively young guy. I think he's, I don't know what he's, 28, 29, something like that. Uh, contract year, and, and man, you know, nothing more to be wanted if you can be challenging for a championship because, and, and the price tag goes way up, and these guys are still young. They try and Obviously, you can't fault him for it, make as much money as possible. But you're right, Brad. Like, Cooper, man, like, I felt like even uh, he just did himself even more uh, of a benefit by running so close, kind of leaving the other guys behind. Uh, you know, never really came to pressure, not that he had a lot of uh, pressure from Sexton. Um, what it be? Uh, well, it was more so, I guess, in, in the. Uh, the first race, right, where he caught him in the end, and Chase obviously, what, he got fifth this weekend. Uh, but I, I was looking at the lap things. Like, I mean, they gapped even Barsha over 10 seconds. Like, that's pretty good, right? So yeah. uh, Cooper Webb's another one of those guys where I, I, I don't think he would do Eli dirty on the racetrack, but I, I, I don't think he would purposely put him on the ground, but I think he would be physical with them. I think he'd raise some hard harder than what people would say like Anderson or Barsha. Because I think when people talk about those guys, you know, speaking from history, it, when they race hard, usually somebody's on the ground. I don't think Cooper's going to put anybody on the ground. All those epic battles he had with with uh, with Roxon years ago, I don't think he ever put him on the ground. Um, I think, if anything, that one time, I think Roxon put himself on the ground trying to come back at Cooper, right? So... And then last year when he had those crashes with Sexton and then the other one, uh, I think it was Millville, where um, he got cross-jumped or whatever. Um, yeah, I think he'll ride, race him hard, uh, but not dirty, if you will. And can't wait to watch it, man. So you're spot on with that. Watch out for that guy. Well, it's always a pleasure to uh, to chop it up and talk moto with a guy who knows, John Anderson, here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. Everybody, go over to WUSA.com, uh, drool over some amazing wheels and the other products they have, and just you should play around with a custom wheel builder. I've literally been doing that in the entire time we've been on the line together, and I think I know exactly what I need for uh, this Suzuki that I've been building uh, throughout the afternoon here. Um, but this has been fun, man. Thanks again for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Make sure all your listeners, the people that do tune in, um, mention uh, Big MX Radio to get a discount because uh, it kind of shows us that uh, we partner with the right uh, folks in the industry and the media and and keep doing what you do, Brad. You're doing a good job, buddy. And um, I'm always fun to shoot the bull with you, especially on a Monday. At what time is it? Two o'clock. So I guess I probably should get back to work. But hey, man. It's always fun to fun to shoot the bull with you. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely, my friend. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're gonna cut it off right there. <laughs>